What's up, guys? My name is Kingsley. I am an indie pop artist, and this is an episode of Concerts That Made Us. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. episode i'm joined by indie pop star kingsley we chat about her music her career her amazing line of merch and much much more this is such a fun conversation i know you're gonna love it so without further ado let's get on with the show I'm fucking play with me to get through you. What the fuck do you do to me? Do to me, I loved you. Now my mama is in me. How could you? I let my heart waste away, waste away all for you. Save me for 
Kingsley, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Yay, thank you for having me. It's brilliant to have you. I'm delighted to have you now. I've been listening to your music quite a bit and I absolutely love it. We opened the show with Therapy. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Yeah, Therapy is such a near and dear song to my heart. Um, Obviously, I wrote it when I was in therapy, (laughs) naturally. Um, And it was really like this anger reflection song of like this guy literally making me go to therapy to like fix our relationship. It turns out I had to fix a lot of things about myself, but that is irrelevant (laughs) But going to therapy originally because he made me feel crazy. Um, And it is such a heartfelt song and it's uh, just so emotional. And it literally the opening line is, damn, I need some fucking therapy, like period. So (laughs) we all can relate to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's a. It's from your debut album, which you released at the end of 2021, Crying on the Holidays. What was that process like? It must have been very exciting. Yeah, it. Um, well, re- recording it in 2020 was a little crazy, um, but we figured it out. We worked it out. Um, it really, Crying on Holidays takes you from start to finish of my very first heartbreak. And so the album is meant to listen in order. It's not meant to skip. Um, and while I was writing it, I didn't know what songs were going to make it on the album. I didn't know what the album was going to be called. I was just writing about what was happening in real time because that's the way that I process things um, as a natural songwriter. My mom calls it Taylor Swifting it up, man. You <laughs> Taylor Swift it up. Um, and so when when this idea came together to release Crying on Holidays, because every holiday this boy and I would fight about whatever and I would be crying, um, the idea of walking it through my first heartbreak um, truly came from me trying to understand what I went through. I'd never been in love. I didn't believe in love. Then I fell in love and I got my heart broken. And I'm like, what is wrong with the world? (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's an incredible project that is near and dear to my heart. It must have been um, almost like therapy itself, putting so much of your own story into the songs. It must have been like a, a massive relief almost. Now it is. Now I listen back and I'm like, oh my God, you were you should have broke up with him long ago. I can't believe you just kept writing more songs. Like, what's happening? Um, but now in hindsight, I'm very thankful that I had the ability to process it and emote in in a way that felt good for me and wasn't destructive. And now other people can can maybe process and, and feel things that they don't have actual words for in my song. I getcha. I getcha. And what are you going to do if you have no more heartbreak? <laughs> <laughs> um, so my next project is not written about a person. It's literally this like fun, sexy, flirtatious. It's like the next side. Um, and I totally stole it from Dua Lipa. She did an interview with the Rolling Stones and she was talking about her project actually wasn't about a person. It was about her manifesting this person. And when she finished the project, it worked. So I'm waiting to see if that happens for me. <laughs> I don't want to know, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I want to write about heartbreak anymore at the moment. I just, I just want to feel good and and love, love. And yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Put that energy out into the world and it'll come back, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're based in Portland. What's the music scene like in Portland? Is it uh, full of competition? Um, if I say yes, they'll call me humble. <laughs> no, um, it's really not. There's not a lot of pop. And if you 
like to talk as much as I do and smile and you're social, you'll do really well. Um, so I had such a humble experience. I actually moved out of Portland a week ago because I'm moving to London. I'm in Chicago right now, staying at my parents' house. Um, and in the six years of time, I had this incredible experience. I got to open up for people that I don't think I ever would have gotten a chance to open up for in Chicago because Chicago is such a big city. Yeah. Um, I've gotten to play random festivals that I, I'm like, ah, why am I here? Not why am I here? But oh my gosh, you know, you got to work a little bit harder, I thought. Um, and and really incubate and curate who I am as an artist. And with a forgiving crowd, like you can make so many mistakes on Portland stage and they love you even harder. So like I got to try out a lot of things with my stage presence, with my banter. Um, my top came off at one of the shows. I didn't feel embarrassed. You know, it just broke and that's what happens. And my titties are out. And someone's <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so I had such an incredible and a unique experience. And I'm I'm really thankful some way, somehow, I ended up in Portland and got to push off and be Kingsley. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a, a great place to start anyway. Now, I love diving into my guests' history and finding out how they got where they are. But before we do that, I noticed your merch game is on point. I don't think there's anybody that has merch like you. Can you tell us a bit about it? I'm so crazy. I and I don't know where these ideas come from. I'm I I mean, I went to school for business, but I don't know. It's just like this is just who I am. Um, I really 2020 was such a crazy year of like reflecting on what um, what I was and who I was without a stage and how I connect with people without a stage. And so when Crying on Holidays was coming out, I ended up meeting up with a local Black-owned makeup company. And she was like, I'll make you one lipstick for your album. So when it comes out, you can help promote my, my makeup line and your album. Well, that turned into three different lipsticks that were embodied as three different singles that went out. So each single had a lipstick. And then when my album came out, we kept growing the collection. And some of the new... Uh, products are named for future songs that are coming out. Ah. Um, so it's not even like a lipstick line, like Rihanna or Selena Gomez and Rihanna, they have a makeup line, right? This makeup line specifically embodies my music. So when you put on this lipstick, it's supposed to feel and sound like this song, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then for the marketing part of it, like the music videos, I got to have the lipsticks as cameos in there. So it was just like <laughs> another level. And then um, the recipe book that I have for crying on holidays, the book is called Drinking on Holidays. That originally came from my Kickstarter. So when I had my Kickstarter in February of 2020, before the world shut down, we were going to do one of the tiers as a listening party where me and my producer would like share uh, cocktails and, and drink and listen to the, the um, album because we do that together. So we were like, we should do it with a crowd, like a listening party. So when COVID happened and we couldn't have the listening party, I'm like, I still want to do that, but how can I do it? So I made this recipe book where each song on my album pairs with a cocktail that I believe the song sounds like, sounds like, feels like, drinks like. When you're <laughs> drunk, listening to therapy, you should have an audios motherfucker. Like that's the <laughs> app. Um, and that turned into such a crazy experience that I even got to like write in the recipe book my favorite song lyric fun facts about it. And then that spun into interviewing, doing a podcast with the book where each episode I would drink the drink and listen to the song. And like, if the, like get to work with my friend, it was just awesome. I've just had such a crazy experience. And from there, we just got even crazier with like shot glasses. I love to drink. Um, 
yeah, I'm I'm just humbled and honored. And this next project's merch is gonna be even cooler and even doper. And I just love it. There's so many ways to connect people to your music outside of just being on the stage. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's crazy though. That's really thinking outside the box. Like <laughs> who comes up with the idea of like a recipe book linked to an album? Yeah. Oh, fair play <laughs> to you for coming up with the idea. Oh man. So we'll, I mentioned a few minutes ago, we'll dive into your history a bit. Can you remember your very first musical memory? Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. Um, and I, I've only said this once in an interview, so this is really hilarious. Um, I had a crush on this guy, Alex Jado in kindergarten. And I I remember and like writing a song and I remember the lyrics. I was like, Alex Jado, just like Plato, because his skin was like this Plato-y color. Um, <laughs> oh, how I can't hide my feelings inside. Like I specifically remember like singing it in my head, thinking like, if I sing this to him, I'll win him over kind of thing. I never did it. <laughs> but that's like my first experience that I have with myself of like feeling something and making something from it. And from that point on, if nothing made sense, I really just put it in a song. That's that's amazing, though, that at that age, you were able to actually come up with lyrics like that and just Terrible. the thought process, of, <laughs> <laughs> the thought process of uh, putting it into a song. Yeah, it's good yeah. to see you haven't lost it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just so um, a couple of days ago, I was unpacking my stuff and I found my songbook from 2017 and I'm like going through it drunk with my mom. And I'm like, what I notice about myself is I could never spell, could never do it. But these are some good words. <laughs> All right. And that has not changed since kindergarten to now. <laughs> oh, and growing up then, was it a very musical house you you lived in? Was there always music around? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My dad is pretty much my like intro into music. Which I grew up listening to Chicago house music, not this Swedish house mafia that you guys hear, like Chicago house music. And my mom sang in the choir. My grandma is very famous in the gospel Chicago scene and very much a musical family, but not a musical family in a like, let's make a career out of this. A musical family and like, you can sing in church and you can sing in the choirs and this is a cute hobby. I was like, no, we're we're doing this 100% of our, <laughs> we're going to figure it out because this is it. I don't want to do anything else. Um, and I think now my parents are like, oh, I guess she's really serious about it. <laughs> so I went to college for the, to do this, <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> I take it they're very supportive of your choice to go into the music business. Yeah, my mom buys my album on Bandcamp, like my singles on Bandcamp. She pays five dollars every everything that comes out. My mom is on Bandcamp the day that it is released, and she will pay five dollars for it. And I'm like, I could literally just send it to you, <laughs> literally. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. Yeah, it warms my heart. She has all my lipsticks. She doesn't wear lipstick that much, but she has the whole collection. <laughs> <laughs> number one fan, right there. Number number one. Yes. <laughs> So at what point then did you realize or what happened that made you realize you want to be a singer, that that's the way you want your life to go? Yeah, I feel like like I did a talent show. I want to say fourth, third or fourth grade. Um, Alicia Keys, I sang If I Ain't Got You. And I did not win. I didn't even get second. Um, but I remember feeling like the at home on the stage, like at home like it just felt right it's kind of like the surfer when they describe being inside of the 
to tunnel, like you have to do it for yourself kind of feeling. It really was that. And I've been chasing that feeling ever since. Um, and now it's changed. It doesn't always need to be on the stage. Now I have moments like this that really make me feel at home where I get to just share my experience, my, my experience, my story. Um, and it feels just like the stage. So it really was from that moment of just singing terribly um, <laughs> and being like, how can I, how can I always feel like this? This feels really good. How can I always feel like this? Yeah. Yeah. Chasing that feeling. Yeah. I, I hear that a lot, actually. It's, um, it's like that thing of when you get on stage for the first time, the addiction to it, you know, and you just want to feel that constantly. It's hard to kind of find anything close to it. Yeah. 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 And uh, then obviously after school and everything, what steps did you take to make your dream a reality? Oh, my gosh. So I um, and maybe it was fear and maybe it was logic. And I have no idea. When I moved to Portland, I was like, I have to get a job at a venue. Like I have to start working in a venue to like get involved in the scene. Luckily for me with my Genesis Qua, I got a job literally a week after I moved there as an, a paid intern at a music venue. And I ended up being there for six years. Literally last week on Friday was my last day um, as their head of marketing. And I had just the most incredible experience. And I moved part time and then I was remote, but I've always worked for them um, as I moved more into Kingsley. But just being there for the first year while I worked on my album, it was so incredible. I, I got to have conversations with tour managers and um, artists. I mean, I, I had, and I pray she remembers me when we meet again, but I sat with Emily King after her show because I was the artist liaison that night for her. And she she just gave me some really heartfelt things. And, and I got to work with um, Miguel's tour manager. <laughs> and he literally said to me, if I see you working here next year, you're going to be in trouble. You should be doing your music. And like these moments that I, I really got to be kicked in the butt um, into my craft. And I'm, I'm so thankful of all the knowledge that I got to learn. I'm telling people like dead ass work at a venue. If you can like work at a record label, if you can do not stay long because they won't see you as an artist, <laughs> especially if you're good at what you do, they'll keep you forever. <laughs> Um, but like work underneath the nose and like really see things for what they really are. Cause the music industry is smoke and mirrors. <laughs> you have to just be like, that's not, that's not, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right about that anyway. And um, I always ask as a concert goer, what concerts do you think have made you? Man, um, I saw the Jonas Brothers and I cried my eyes out. I was 24. Uh, it was a couple of years ago. And and it wasn't just because of the nostalgia. I think it was more or less like I had known their story and how hard it is to work to get where they were. And I was so overwhelmed with joy and uh, inspiration to work even harder. But I was just brought to tears. But I was like, this is so incredible. This truly shows like it is a long haul journey. And if you want to be a part of this process, you've got to be a part of the process. A hundred percent. So yeah, the Jonas Brothers, which is hilarious <laughs> when I tell people that. Um, I got to uh, see Erica Badu. That was a really, I was backstage um, perks of working in the music industry. Um, I got to be backstage and she walked past me when uh, she goes on stage and I just breathed in her air. And I'm just like, this is so incredible to be a person of your musical talent and just to be idolized 
just because you love what you do and you do it. What an honor, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Erica Badu, the Jonas Brothers, let me think of a third one that like really changed my life. Um, Electric Forest is a music festival in Michigan. It's this huge 50,000 people in a forest. It's a camping festival. And it wasn't per se anyone I saw, but I was on acid naturally. (laughs) And I was talking to an elephant naturally. And the elephant literally said to me, and this is right when I was like 21, 22. If you go to another festival, you will never do your dream because festivals are expensive. It's like you fly there, you drive, it's a thousand dollars, you know, you got camp. Um, I think I spent like $3,000 in a weekend, but this elephant was like, how serious are you about your music? This is beautiful. This is fun. What side do you want to be on? And yeah, I was like, this is a crazy acid trip. And when I get back to town, I need to start working on my album. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank God for the elephant. <laughs> <laughs> I think about her all the time. And then my friend's like, tighten up. You're literally talking to a tree. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you uh, you have to do something where you mention that in a in a song or something, or have a song entitled "The Elephant in the Forest." <laughs> That's a really great idea. I'm gonna write that down because one of my songs isn't done, and I know exactly where that would go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no more bad days. Elephant trip. Yes, look at this. I'll have to credit you in my song credits. Okay. Okay. So. We've heard about you as a concert goer. Now we'll switch it around. Of your own gigs, what ones do you think have made you? Yeah. I think my shirt coming off was hilarious. And I, it was for Portland Voted Best Bands 2022. And I was um, voted um, in the best bands with 10 other really awesome uh, Portland musicians. And for the showcase, it was just six of us. And my shirt broke before I got on stage and we like pinned it. And I joked to my backstage singer, I'm like, wouldn't it be hilarious if my shirt broke on stage? And I was like, nah, it's not going to do that. And so when my shirt breaks and my titties are out, I'm just standing there and I'm, and like my, this girl in the crowd is like, your nipple pad is slipping. So I just rip my nipple pad off and throw it to the crowd. And I'm standing there and I'm like, I don't get embarrassed. This is the human experience. Like you've already paid your money. So if you want to leave, I'm getting paid the same. <laughs> you can go, you can go. And it's about the music. So I don't really care. I could be naked singing or not. And I jumped into the crowd. Literally a, a bunch of girls took their shirts off. We're all, de- it's, it was a blast. And it was a moment that I was like, if I set the attunement for um, expectations, the audience has no choice to follow. So if I'm unconfident in myself, the audience will be unconfident in themselves. If I embody um, love and positivity, the audience will embody love and positivity. And I, I, I try to do that every set. But in that moment, I was like, I really have the, the crowd in my hand. So what do I want to do with this energy? What do I want to bring? I love that, though. It's um, it's all back to that, you know, the constant exchange and energy with the crowd. You know, you have to, I feel like to be successful as a performer on stage, you have to master that part of it, you know, exchanging the energy and having them, as you said, in the palm of your hand. But, uh, geez, some people, if that happened to their career would be over, you know, they'd just <laughs> fall to pieces. 
<laughs> Luckily for me, my titties have been on the internet since Instagram has been an app. So it was, I was like, guys, these aren't special. And if you haven't seen Meg the Stallion's ass, you are missing out on so much life. So we're going to get over it. We're going to be just fine. <laughs> I'd normally ask what's the, uh, What's the worst experience you've had at a gig and how you overcame it? But I don't think there's a need for that question. now. I don't think I've ever had a bad experience. Where I mean, I've choked on stuff and like laughed because I'm like choking because hilarious. Why am I choking on spit right now? And I'm trying to sing. I don't think I, I just don't get embarrassed because I think it's just hilarious that you're you're an artist. Um, Hoodie Allen, he went to flip his microphone and it hit him in the face and he was like, <laughs> you know just kept going and i'm like that's hilarious because what are the odds <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and we'll jump back a bit now when the pandemic happened how did you face that it must have been a very tough time you know not being able to perform live how did you deal with it and get through it um while the pandemic was a pretty rough go for everyone. I am humbled by the experience. I knew I wasn't going to come out physically strong because I hate the gym, but I came out mentally so much better than what I ever could have imagined. And I posed the question to myself, if I'm not on stage getting validation from other people, what actually brings me joy in life? And that's a really hard question for myself. Music brings me so much joy. One might say it determines my joy. And so when it was taken away, it was a real big step back for me. And I just reevaluated things. I did so much um, shadow work with my childhood self, with my teenage self. I tackled my depression. I tackled some anxiety. I just really kind of sat and I was like, I need to get back to basis. And um, so Kingsley's my stage name and Mo's my government name. And most of the time when I was performing before COVID, I was really putting a mask and a character on to the point where I, when I got off stage and I was home being Mo, I would be empty because that's not who I really was as a person, which is so disappointing that like I can embody this confident bull, doesn't give a fuck person, but I'm eating away with anxiety. And so when COVID happened, um, and it was probably April after my 28th birthday, I kind of was just like, you know what? I don't know how long this is going to be. So it is now or never to really make Mo be Kingsley and, and Kingsley be Mo. And I am so, 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 so thankful for a moment of slow, slowed down time. The earth literally stopped. And I'm so thankful for that because where I was headed to, um, could not quit. I mean, really could not be. And now going on stage feels so much more authentic. The connections feel so much more authentic because I'm not pretending to be this thing and jealous of it when I got off stage. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I get you. I get you. You kind of reminded me of uh, a story I once heard about Beyonce. Did you ever hear about she has an alter ego? That went... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you remind me of that. <laughs> There's a lot of artists that are actually have alter egos like that, don't I? I think Lady Gaga and someone else have one as well. Yeah, and, and openly talk about how um, there's so much separation for this. And even um, the guy who played Elmo, he has a documentary how he didn't know if people loved him for him or him because he was Elmo. And what a turbulence you have in life that like what authentic, what is real? Um, 
is it your gift? Do people just like you for this gift? So yeah, it's such a balance and a struggle with arts. And it's so much deeper than just like writing about your heartbreak. Um, and I'm, I'm really thankful for COVID to like, let me stop <laughs> with myself and, and build a healthier relationship with my art and, and who I truly am. I heard it referred to once as the great reset. Period. I love that. Yeah. And we're starting over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Your first gig then post COVID must have been like a massive celebration. What was it like? Um, what was my first gig? See, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what my first gig was. That's how much I was like, get me out of this house. <laughs> we just we played, um, we did a sold out show. And it was insane. And I was overstimulated for the first time. I'm a socialite. I love being around people. People help me recharge. And when we get off stage, so many people were talking at me. I was like, I have to go upstairs for two seconds. (laughs) Overstimulated by people. So it was really awesome. I think it was like 250, like a sold out. And I was like, I'm doing me. What happened to 10 people? (laughs) I can do 10 good conversations tonight. I can't do 250. That would be pushing it a bit hard. (laughs) Oh, and when you're playing gigs, then do you prefer, you know, large, large numbers in the audience or are you more sort of you enjoy the smaller, more intimate clubs? I prefer smaller and more intimate just because my music has so much to it. It kind of goes over people's heads when I do like my pop set. I love doing my DJ set. I love playing the backing tracks, but I love when I can strip it down in a room full of 50 and really like let you hear what was happening um, in the songs. I get that. I get that. Plus, it's, you know, it's always better to be able to see the people's faces, see the emotion, see that you're actually getting true to them. Yeah, and they it's less people, uh, less talking. <laughs> yeah, true, that's the other side of it. <laughs> Plus, like if someone's in the back talking, you could probably actually see their face and call them out. <laughs> oh, I've done it before. I'm like, I don't care. Just like leave the room. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to stop your conversation because of me. Don't do it. <laughs> probably important since you're talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I bet your gigs are like one of the most fun times you could have. <laughs> I've I jumped over a barricade into the crowd. I've died, and my bandmates don't, they are so stressed because they're like, we never know what you're going to do. And I'm like, me either. That's the art of performing. I black out. I get off stage and I'm like, what happened? How did we do? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> this next one's a bit of a tough one now, but what factors? do you think go into making a successful, you know, persona, a successful career as a musician, as a performer? Mm. Authenticity. And it's not in a way of like, be your, be your most self. It's what, what are you, what do you want your fan base to look like and why? Mm. So the most authentic fans bring the most joy. Um, to a show and so to have this amazing persona like don't be the thing people want you to be just be you so that that can surround you you know if there was a room full of 50 kingsleys you would you would love it right (laughs) it would be crazy (laughs) um so yeah 
teaching yourself not to be anything but yourself. And if you like yourself enough and you're a good person, you want that reflected in the room. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I always feel like as well, you know, if you're pretending to be something you're not, eventually the mask will slip. Oh, yeah. Or you just keep changing to try to be the things that people want. Like, and if I wrote the song, I get to say how I feel about it. <laughs> That's the rule. If you wrote the song, then you can do that. But you didn't write it. I did. <laughs> so this is what it's going to be. I can't yeah. tell <laughs> and, you know, you must have a roadmap laid out in front of you for your career. Where would you like to see your career go? Like my end? Hmm. Oh my God, as, as famous as Beyonce. And I love saying that and people are like, Beyonce, do you mean? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I meant. I said what I meant and I mean what I say. Um, I've always wanted to be a pop star. I've called myself indie pop artist for like the last few years, but I still say I'm a pop star. I'm a pop star. I'm a pop star. Um, I, I really love the idea of inspiring the masses with what fools that I have in life. And and they're changing and they're growing and they're changing. And in that reality, that should collect more people. Definitely. That's a great answer, actually. And great that you can actually say Beyonce, you know, instead of, oh, uh, I, I want to be here and I want to. No, you're just straight out. I want to be Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> That's OK. I like when people ask the question, like, why do you do music? And people are like, just because I love art. Because I want to be famous. Why, why else would I do this? I have student loan debt. I could work anywhere in the world. <laughs> I want to be famous. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and before we move on to the last couple of questions, then, what is locked in? Future plans? What's going on with Kingsley? Yeah, um, I'm moving to London on September 12th, and I just finished demoing out my next project. I'm not calling it an album because it's nine songs right now, and I don't know if I want to make another album. I think it might be an EP. Um, and it's called Come Find Me, and it's just this next chapter after you get your heart broken and you realize, actually, I am a bad bitch. I don't know why I'm crying over this boy with holes in his underwear. Like, what am I doing? Um, so it's just about enjoying life, love and passion and being single and being flirty. Um, I'm very excited for it. And even just like the, uh, video concepts that I'm working on, the merch concepts that I'm working on, um, it's just to another level. And I'm really, really excited for it to get out of this mine and into this world. <laughs> so excited. I'm like, fast forward to next summer. Let's go. <laughs> and you know, that's a pretty big leap now, you know, jumping from Portland, Chicago over to London. How do you think your music will go down in London? Um, I don't think. I just do. <laughs> I don't think. Good answer. Just do. Yeah, so we'll, <laughs> we'll find out together. Cool, cool. I'm sure it'll, it'll, be, uh, it'll be loved over there anyway, you know. That sound, it's kind of... I feel like, especially London, because it's so metropolitan, it's kind of like a lot of cities in the States. So, yeah, they, their pop scene is popping. Oh my gosh. I've, yeah, I've followed a couple so far on Instagram and I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> here for it. <laughs> oh, you'll have to start uh, booking up all the clubs, all the big clubs in London now and start playing plenty of gigs. Um, yeah, and Ireland, you're on my list. I'll be there. Glad to hear it. Uh, Glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely be uh, wherever it is, whether it's Dublin, Galway, Cork, I'll be there. Hell yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll move on to the last couple of questions now. If there was an artist from history 
you could see in concert for one night only, who would it be? Leo. Oh. Ah. Leo, yeah. I cried when she passed away in my tub. I think I was in fourth grade. It was like my first famous death. And if I get to see her one time, that would be really awesome. You know what? That's actually, it's the first time I've heard that answer now, but it's actually the first time in years I've actually even thought of her. You know, I remember that too. I am. Um, yeah. Remember that movie, Queen of the Damned? Oh my! I'm going to be her for Halloween this year. <laughs> really? Yes. So they Spotify just put her album A, the the red album, um, on Spotify. Like it, her family held it for a long time, naturally so. Um, and when I listened to it, I was like, I need to watch Queen of the Damned. Like, I need to. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to be that for Halloween. Yes. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. I love that movie, though. It's um, she's the classic example of, you know, you would have loved to have seen what she would have went on and done. Yeah. You know? She could yeah. possibly be bigger than Beyonce, you know, that's what they the trajectory. That's literally what they said. And yeah. and she was such an innovator and a natural um, changer with modeling to acting to music that, you know, it would have been really iconic to watch what she would have done as the music industry grew and changed. Definitely. Definitely. And the next one, if there was an artist that you could spend 24 hours locked in a room with, who would it be? Beyonce. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Absolutely. And it doesn't even need to be with her. It could just be that she was in the room and left and I'm just in her energy. I don't even need her. <laughs> I just need, I need to feel this frequency of high performer so that I could be better at high performing. Um, no, it, yeah, definitely Beyonce. But if I could pick like another person, um, I I think Nicki Minaj, but not for the, the bad parts of her. I think for all of the bullshit she had to put up with being a female rapper in the early 2000s is such a per perseverance personality i would love to pick the minds because you get a lot of no's and and the no's that she got were blatant and disrespectful and loud mm. um and so yeah to pick her mind about how do you just keep going how do you just keep going yeah actually that would be a very good one yeah geez i've never thought of that either but just the perseverance that she'd have if you had like 10 percent of that i feel like you could take over the world you could do your Mondays would be. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Definitely. If there was a song to appear on the soundtrack to your life, what would it be? <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that song first. I was going to say thong song. That's really hilarious. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just like the first song that came to mind. Um, a song for my soundtrack. Wow. I can't believe I'm stumped. <laughs> i feel like it doesn't happen often yeah i guess i'm gonna pick like a meg the stallion song um because yeah i feel like body by meg the stallion would be like my soundtrack because i since turning 29 have just fallen in love with my like body and i'm so excited that this is what I look like and this is me and um it would definitely be that song because body yaddy 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 like <laughs> brilliant um, has to be that one so <laughs> and with being a pop star a beauty mogul and an entrepreneur um, 
Bleh. I'm not going to judge you. I can't even spell it. <laughs> I know what we're saying. <laughs> With being a pop star, a beauty mogul, and an entrepreneur, got it. How do you find time to do anything else? My friends call me crazy. Um, I really love to work, and that's the thing. I like, and work is play for me. And because work is play for me, I schedule my shit out. Like literally my, my life is scheduled out and in the best ways possible. Like I make time for work and I make time for play and I make time for work play. Um, so like when we're on, when we went on tour and we had two days in San Francisco and we had a weird day, I stayed in San Francisco for that day so that I can spend a day in San Francisco and do whatever the fuck I want. And we had a show in Bend, which was three hours away. My bandmates drove separately. I booked a stay at this place we were playing at because it was like this outdoor hot tub, a spa thing next door. They drove three hours there and three hours back. And I was like, I'm staying. I'm staying to play. Like, this is the the part. When would we be here ever again? Um, And I got that from my mother. My mother, I did track and field all the way through college and all summer long, we would be somewhere for track and field, Reno for West Coast Games or Louisiana for the Junior Olympics. And my mom really made sure that with the work that we did, we got a lot of play. And I have just taken that into my personal life. I don't ever burn out because I make sure I schedule whatever the fuck I want to do in life always. So yeah, if you saw my calendar after this, it's wash my hair, do a face mask and get crunk. It's in my calendar. Oh, I feel like you need to, you know what, aside from the recipe book, you need to like write a self-help book, you know, (laughs) just giving people advice on how to live their lives. It would be a bestseller. It would be the best seller with the worst spelling. My poor editor would be like, honey, honey, honey. I'm, I speak into my Apple, like I don't even text anymore. You know, you can send voice text. I literally voice text people now because I'm like, I can't spell that. I don't even, and I want to use this word. Like, why is qualms with a Q? Why is that a thing? I don't know how to yeah. spell it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, and the final question then to switch it around. Is there something I should have asked you? What is life like being single and beautiful? <laughs> um, well, I didn't want to, you know. <laughs> um, something you should have asked me. No, these were great questions. Like me getting stumped does not happen. I'm usually like, what would be my song? And then Cisco just starts playing embarrassingly. How did you start doing podcasts? Because you're very natural at it. I've done podcasts where it's like a very <laughs> one that I have to like fill the space and I'm like, how did you feel great figure out podcasts, specifically music people? Uh, that's a good question. I actually haven't been asked before on the podcast. I was uh, for about three years. I used to work night shift and I used to use podcasts to kind of get me through the night. And always in the back of my head, I was like, I'd love to do my own. I'd love to do my own. But I didn't know on what. So the pandemic happened. I was like, I finally have the time. But what will I do with that? Then I thought to myself, when I was younger, I used to be in bands. I play guitar, stuff like that. So I was like, you know what? There's a lot of musicians that can't play gigs that are sitting around doing nothing. And it'd be great to have a chat with them. Yeah, I love that. And I love the title, Concerts That Made Us. Like, it's such a beautiful moment to to reflect on those things. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. Yeah.
yeah. Listen, it's uh, it's been an absolute experience. It was a blast. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Thank you. I appreciate you. This was awesome. Poltergeists and hauntings, and all things that will scare the hell out of you. These things do more than go bump in the
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rockin'. Hey. Hey, what are you guys still doing here? The show's over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here.